welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fan cast, yes, by a fervent fan. And a fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And, and this, this is, is the story, story So Farscape. Yes. Season two is over, yes, and it oh. ended with quite a cliffhanger, I suppose. And we are doing now, traditionally speaking, I mean, it's tradition when you do it for the second time, isn't it? Yes, it is. Doing a season recap. So we're not uh, discussing a specific episode this week, but instead we are just talking about season two in general. Hopes, fears, cry, uh, tears and laughs, uh, and uh, seeing where this will take us into season three, hopefully. Yes. I mean, so, we don't even know if there's a season three, is there? Is it, what, has it been on. prolonged? It, been, yes. <laughs> oh, yes, good. Okay. So there are certain secrets that I'm keeping from you, but the existence of a third season is not one of them. I promise that when the series ends, I will tell you that's it. Mm. I won't okay, make, you, you. make you go through the whole song and dance of like a next episode. Of, Ooh, can I have some? No. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I won't break your heart like that. We have some more in store for you this week as well. Oh. You've made quite a few predictions and bets over the course of this, oh, uh, this I season. Have, yes, so I? I, I think it's time that your reckoning comes due. Oh, dear. And also, hey, last time we had a lot of fun with sort of trivia questions. Yes. Which earned, uh, started me on the path to earning my Farscape fun bucks. Exactly. So this time I thought it might be fun to get some questions from the audience. Oh. And we have some absolutely cracking questions, most of them about like insights, but also some really fun what ifs from our fantastic right. listeners out there. Wanton speculation of uh, yes! a broad. We- See, you get it, you get it. But let's start off with reviewing this season, because, I mean, we ended episode 22, Dimey Dichotomy, with indeed the sort of heartbreaking cliffhanger, but we said that we'd not, like, we'd keep it on the episode, we wouldn't yeah. reflect on the, uh, uh, on the season, and you've actually gone through and, like, checked all your notes for the last season, yes. so, like, walk me through how you experienced it. So what I wanted to talk about is kind of just like how the season has developed as a whole. Yeah. How it started off with basically the new baby, uh, which had been born at the end of season uh, season one, Talon, and how that developed in the first season. And of course, we had the cliffhanger of John and Dargo uh, hanging out in space. Uh, Yeah. And how the the episode developed with Crace and uh, Aaron being a buddy-buddy all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Some uh, some former PK-like tension there. You're supposed to check in two hours ago. I can't always get away on schedule. Don't forget I have to give Crichton a reason for my absence. He still has no knowledge of our arrangement? None. It might facilitate matters if you explain to him... No. Eventually, you'll have to. Only when it's too late for him to interfere. We quickly lose Crace as he makes off with uh, Talon. Yeah. Although he does pop, pop up a few more times in the rest of the season, although not quite in the way that I hoped with a new crew. He seems to be just like keeping his himself and Talon apart and alone and not really doing anything, except that he seems to be trying to raise Talon. Yeah. Uh, in as... a way that it's like, yeah, you wouldn't have thought of him in the first part. So I, I, Okay, yeah, that's that sounds like an interesting uh, part to start. Like, okay, Crace, good. a story arc. Well, from the way you tell the story, you sounded kind of sadistic. How, how he has developed over the... So little yes. about what he's been doing. Like I mentioned originally in The Ugly Truth, there was going to be a lot more backstory for what Crace and, and Talon have been getting up to yeah. in the Uncharted Territories. And all that was cut out because it, it's fine the way it is. And... Mm. The biggest thing about it is that we, the crew and us as well, were worried that he would, you know, start a reign of terror. He is, after all, an insane military commander now in charge of a, a, a gun teenage yeah. gunship. Yeah. yeah. How large is Talon grown? He's not as big as Moya yet, pilot, but 
He's fierce. When he decided to attack, he easily destroyed the Helosian ship. Can we take heart that Christ didn't initiate the attack? Perhaps he won't use Talon as a weapon. Perhaps. Perhaps he'll surprise us all. But that didn't come to pass. No, none of that. I mean, if anything, he complains a few times that uh, Talon is being too aggressive. Yeah. Uh, and he's, like, having to rein him in and only to use his uh, his main gun in self-defense. And he tries to, like, get the main gun replaced for a uh, less lethal version. Yeah. Uh, uh, and like you said, in Ugly Truth, he actually shows up to make trouble for them. But then again, at the end, he... Uh, shows up to come and help them out in the end of uh, Liar's Guns and my inability to re- uh, remember the correct title of that series. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to force it down your throat anymore. You can just call it whatever you want, and I know what you're talking about. Yeah, which was Talon's decision, not Grace's. Right, because uh, Moya called out, and uh, yeah. Moya was in trouble, which is interesting, because you'd think that Moya's been... Uh, calling out to him more often. I mean, Moya being the concerned mother that she is. But apparently now there was something that oh. she must have said that uh, convinced Talon to You've been a teenager. You know right. the sound of your mother's voice calling you down for whatever, a scolding or dinner or whatever, until okay. she actually yells a little bit different and you just sort of hear it and then you get, okay, my family is in trouble. Okay. Those instincts kicked right. in. Come on, yeah. yeah. No, you have a good point. It's you like you now- ignore all the ones that just mean, oh, I'm an inconvenience to my mother. Right, and when there's an actual problem, then you you hear that. Yeah, no, you have a very good point. I I had not considered that. That's very. Uh... <laughs> so am, that yeah. Sorry, I am reminded that there was a thing which was I think, yes, an American contest for farmers' wives yelling for their husbands to come to dinner. Okay. And it was a yelling contest for who had the harshest, most commanding uh, yell. yell for okay, them. to shove up. Oh wow. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't. I know my father had the the in, uncanny ability to be upstairs whenever it was time for dinner. It's like like he knew when it was like uh, dinner was about to be served because he would run upstairs and then be upstairs. I don't know. He was just like always upstairs whenever okay. the, whenever dinner is. Like he'd be sitting there in the living room for the entire uh, late part of the afternoon, and then just like as soon as my mom's almost done with dinner, he would disappear upstairs and he'd have to be called down to uh, wow. Dinner's He's ready. like a sitcom dad. I don't know. It is marks. <laughs> So yes, Crace, uh, I suppose, is a bit of a seasoning, a little bit of seasoning, which has been sprinkled over oh, the gosh, season yes. as uh, as a little bit of... Uh, we haven't forgotten about him. He's like lost his role of insane military commander, and he seems to be a much yeah. more calculated military commander again, probably the kind of the person which got him into his position of power. Probably even more scarily so now that he's dealt with his trauma yeah. of losing his brother, but indirectly also of uh, being uh, conscripted into the peacekeeper force. Wow, that's really insightful. Like he's always, I guess, had a complicated relationship with uh, with the peacekeepers, yeah. which he managed to stabilize through uh, through the presence of his brother and his yeah. responsibility as an older brother himself. And being a brutal commander, he's become a principled person. Yes. Uh, Annoyingly so, almost. Like, inconvenient, almost, isn't well, it? Well, not, not just even inconvenient, but like, yeah, condescendingly so, almost. You know, there's nothing worse than a reformed smoker, what they say. It's like, <laughs> you kind of have that with him as well. It's like when he's like, yeah, constantly, especially he gets on Aaron's case a lot. Because apparently she got on his case a lot early in the uh, in the season, when they were still sort of making uh, uh, custody arrangements for, uh, uh, for Talon. Magnificent. A crowning glory for whom? For us, Officer Sun. 
Heron's an interesting development as well, isn't it? Right, yes. I mean, we have seen quite a interesting story development. She she gets her, uh, yeah, of course, at first in uh, Mind the Baby, we have the whole, is she, is she or is she not uh, colluding with Crace? Uh, Other than that, Erin does not have a lot of her own story arcs other than uh, The Way We Weren't The Way We Weren't yeah which is uh, a very great episode The Way We Weren't and of course damn it which one's uh, The Lockers yes uh, yes those were basically the two episodes where she has more than just a uh, part of the crew part yeah yeah, yeah mm-hmm. which is much more focused on her I think that's fair like even in Look at the Princess when she went off with uh, Carzanova for the rock climbing mm. oh no I won't say that I was going to say that that was sort of Filler, but it, that that's not fair. Carson no. gave her a lot of insights into her own feelings, and she right. she did take different actions as a as a consequence of that. Well, she and then she kind of like stopped doing that again as well because she's been on the fence about how she's going to act towards John. Basically, the entire season. Oh, okay. So I did a note review as well, yeah. and I made an observation that hadn't really occurred to me before. Mm-hmm. That okay, so she struggled to to say how she feels, yes. right? Have you even told him how you feel? He knows what he needs to know. And throughout season two, she still doesn't learn that, mm-hmm. right? She still hasn't figured out how to talk about her feelings. But she can still communicate them. Yeah. Like, the resolution of Look at the Princess isn't her having a conversation with, with Crichton. She doesn't talk to him. No. She holds up that vial. She takes an action. Right, And yes. this is how we, we express ourselves. Yeah. Actions. Actions speak to them. To the point where... Crichton, in A Liar's Guns of Money, says, I have to tell you how I feel. I have to tell you. And she says, no, you you don't. Because she knows, yeah. We don't need to talk. Like, talking about our feelings is something that we can't do. But Actually, she can't do. Right. Yeah. But she's figured out. And then she kind of does tell her. uh, And then she kind of does tell him. Yeah. uh, At the, in in, uh, Diamond Dichotomy. Yes. I love you too. Oh, I almost put that out of my memory. It's so fresh still. <laughs> and then we have, of course, the locket, which they have basically their, their 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 whole arc. It doesn't even get resolved, but they get to spend a lifetime together on the uh, on the good planet. Yeah, uh, and yeah, they settle into this bond. Uh, you can clearly call it. They clearly love each other, yeah. even though they have weird ways of expressing it. So yeah, that's I guess that's about Erin's developmental arc. So she's clearly coming to grips with it. Ish. I mean, she has, and but then of course. Other things happen to John to make it uh, go yeah. wrong again. And now, reflecting on it, the locket is a really interesting one because it's it's a real examination of where these characters are now mm-hmm. and where they'll stay without external stimulus. Because that was the thing about the favored world: nothing happens. It's totally boring. So there's nothing to like stimulate you into changing your your way of thinking. And that way, like John and Aaron, as we've observed, can spend eighty years on this planet. Jibing at each other and <laughs> and still not say they love each other, still yeah. not even convey that to each other. But since all that whole sort of reality was was unspooled, and we saw the rest of the season unfold, lots of other stimuli. By the end of it, they were able to communicate uh, uh, their feelings much better. Like within, I guess, six months. That's yeah. roughly half a half a season from the locket onward. I mean, it seems Ooh. to be more or less real time, except in the, uh, when there's a long period of them doing something else. But in, in genre, a season is usually a year. Yeah. Oh, the locket was then season six, or episode sixteen, so it would have been late in the year. Hey, okay, I have a question yes. that has just come to me in my little brain right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so without 
any of the sort of stimulus they experienced, they would have never like been able to communicate to each other how they feel until after uh, one of them died. Yeah. Okay. They were clearly able to do that by the end of Liars, Guns, and Money. Yes. What happened in between? What was it? Um, very that- little. Yeah, right. We had The Ugly Truth, which was uh, the return and disappearance of uh, Stark, I believe. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. After, yeah. after he... Uh, uh, yeah, sorry, well, he disappeared in The Ugly Truth. Yeah, it was dissipated. Got, well, yes, he was yeah. dissipated. And he, he returned in... Was it already in Clockwork like Nabari or just the beginning of Liars, Guns and Money? It's like... Uh, Liars, Guns and Money, was, yes. Yeah, there yes, was yeah, one episode the, where he was gone. They yeah. net uh, a ship that they'd never seen before, and that ship is just never yeah. mentioned again. And we had, yeah, then we had Clockwork Nabari, and then it starts with Liars, Guns and Money, in which uh, Stark is back, and we have... Uh, and that's all that happened between the Locket yeah, and... Yeah, that's interesting. That. The only thing we really see in those episodes is John... Star- but John only really starts to break down at Liars, Guns and Money, although we do have Harvey occasionally making his... Uh, yeah. I mean, that's done very very well during those episodes. You can see that he is occasionally starting to lose it. It's, yeah, it's just it's squirrely. Yeah, just I think little the bits term. which are thrown in there and that, that, that comes to fruition at uh, uh, the start of Larry Clinton Money when he goes into full breakdown because of Harvey. So what changed... I don't know, Aaron-wise, maybe not. I mean, there was uh, the, whole, uh, the, the whole thing with Chana's brother... But in, in okay, uh, yeah, Clockwork Navarre. But Nabari. she wasn't involved in that. She was no, brainwashed exactly. the whole time, yeah, yeah. so she didn't experience much of that. No, maybe, maybe her, the maybe brainwashing. Her, maybe her good traits were emphasized in the, thanks to the brainwashing thing. You know how they become less violent, and I mean, I remember, <laughs> I remember like how amazingly well acted I thought that was by Claudia Black. Oh, uh, yeah. at the beginning, when you, the moment you see her walking onto the ship, you go like. Okay, that's not Aaron. Some, okay, Aaron doesn't is, walk like something that. Something is wrong here. Look at her, she's walking? Yeah. She's, what? <laughs> yeah, that, that was so fantastically done. That's, uh, <laughs> but uh, that actually brings me to another arc that I'd like to talk about. Yes. Uh, Chana. Aha. Who yeah. uh, we don't see very much of at the beginning, although it starts, of course, with Taking the Stone, which is early on in the uh, season, which is a great yes. uh, Chana episode. And it kind of, I guess, you, between... Taking the stone at the beginning and the clockwork Nibari at the end, that kind of... It's kind of a nice bookend. Def- yeah, exactly. Yeah. That kind of defines Chiana's arc. Oh, and don't forget Home on the Remains. Oh, That's yeah. also an, an exploration yeah, of... a good middle uh, one in there. Yeah. Which I didn't think was a particularly strong episode. I mean, it's still interesting to see that Chiana has oh, had it's, a it's, whole life. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. It's an interesting Chiana episode, very much so. With... Fre- Ooh. I think that's the only episode that we've had where... Correct me on, on this... Uh, we discover, like, one of the crew's, like, past friends. Yes. Hey, girl. You've been here too long. Right? It was just Altana, or friends and enemies, I guess. But, well, I mean, the- all the peacekeepers that, that Aaron meets, Yeah. either we've met before or she's never met before. Yeah. Like Jelena. Dargo, we don't meet anyone from his past. Rigel, well, Zan. Jothy, but, you know. Father? Jothy. Jothy is fair. Yeah, uh, that is fair. Rigel, we get Durka. Hello, <gasps> Rigel. <gasps> and, oh, yeah. and Durka gets got. <laughs> what a fantastic five minutes David Wheeler must have had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that must have been so disappointing for the poor man. It's like, oh, I'm coming back. Yeah, not for very long, though. <laughs> yeah. So I'm getting fitted for a new costume or a prosthetic. No, we're just going to... Live cast your entire head because your your head is going to get more screen time than you. The rest of- 
Yeah, Chiana, though. Okay, Chiana. Yeah. Because it, it really does kick off with Taking the Stone, where it's also about, like, how does she relate to the rest of these characters? And where is she in her life? Mm. Right, because she's a she's a young woman. She's a, she's described as a teenager, yeah, and she's on the on the sort of cusp of early womanhood. Because I think in in yeah. uh, taking the stone, that's a very sort of teenage nihilist, uh, right. uh, physical sort of response. It's kind of a lost boys story, yeah. Uh, certainly with yeah. the people on that uh, on that planet that she was embracing, and then she chose not to continue with that. She chose to continue with her family to grow up. I guess right, and you see that a lot because she is then often the person who is keeping people together, keeping people grounded. Yeah, She's, right? I guess she could be, you know, the, the youngest child who is like sees the dysfunctional family around them and desperately tries oh to God. adjust for everybody to uh, keep the whole family working together. I mean, that, I, I know that's a kind of like it's a, it's a, a yeah, bleak it's a way of looking at and a, it. And a, uh, and a trope, but one that, yeah, does occasionally happen uh, and certainly explored in literature and, and, and film as well. Because Zahn is, uh, in the first season, the, the, the one who is like basically mothering the whole ship together. And she yeah, definitely... Loses that role, mm. uh, and it, and the uh, keeping everybody together and talking to each other becomes much more Chiana's yeah. role on the I ship. I think, especially in uh, in out of their minds at the end, when when everybody's very apologetic for how they behaved, mm-hmm. she's the one who forgives any everyone. Some of the things you said. Yeah, yeah look, I'm sorry, really. Oh no, sorry, no, no but... look, don't apologize. <laughs> I was impressed. How did you come up with all that crap? I don't know, Pip. It's just there. Did I? Did I say anything awful, Chiana? <laughs> you don't remember? No, Charltics triggered such a, an intense reaction in me, I blanked everything out. Wow. I wish I could do that. No, no, Zen, look, you were the best out of all of us. <laughs> you look like you were having a great time. Even like John, who under the influence of Traltix's terrible sort of mind control, committed violence on her. Yeah, it was a very good Zan and Chiana episode out of their minds. Oh yeah, and of course it had the fantastic uh, thing where. Oh we wait, re- no, crackers don't matter. Sorry, oh. crackers don't matter. That's the one. Right. Out of their minds was the body swap. Yes, and it had the one where we learned that uh, DRDs can make Polaroids. <laughs> So, which I thought was amazing. These can do everything. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, crackers don't matter. Yes, where John, where uh, John joined the insane clown posse. <laughs> <laughs> the insane cosmonaut posse. Yeah, I suppose. Okay. <laughs> I don't do well with clowns. Uh, I mean, that was a great episode. It has such good banter between the uh, characters as well. Yeah, they were just like snipping at each other, and it was fantastic. Especially Pilot. Oh, I yes. like Snippy Pilot. Pilot is amazing when he gets like tetchy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only judging on my experience with you, but I've never seen such a deficient species. Have you run the scan on the pulsar light yet? How do humans make it through a cycle, even half a cycle, without killing each other? We find it difficult to have you run the scan. You have no special abilities. You're not particularly smart, can hardly smell, can barely see, and you're not even vaguely physically or spiritually imposing. Is there anything you do well? Watch football. Have you run the scan? Nobody trusts you, Crichton. Do you know that? Sometimes they pity you, you know, because of your incompetence. You something you done, use do us, yourself. Don't touch my tongue. Oh, you want to talk about incompetence? Go I bet the boy would dump your ass in I a heartbeat if she had a choice. I warned you. 
<laughs> so, right, yes, pilots, pilots uh, arc this uh, season. What do we think of that? We saw the most of his, uh, his backstory in The Way We Weren't as well. Right, yes. Uh, very fitting that uh, uh, that Aaron and Pilot get get their own episode together because they're. I mean, they're kind of tied together literally uh, ever since uh, Mal. Uh, sorry, not Mal. This uh, DNA mad scientist. That's the one. Yeah. That's when uh, Namtar. Namtar. That's the one. A name I was looking for. Cross pollinated Pilot DNA into uh, into Aaron's g- genes, and they've worked well together. You saw that even in the locket. When she she comes back to to Moya with a mission to like save everyone, but also before she leaves to say to goodbye to Pilot. Pilot, yes. Glad I got a chance to see you one last time, my friend. What do you mean? I'll see you again. No, you won't. Goodbye. Because he's her friend, and everybody else will will understand. I don't know why she doesn't want to say goodbye to to, to everyone else, but. Pilot, no, Pilot definitely gets uh, yeah a separate visit. Yeah, uh, yeah. Pilot does other than the way we weren't. Doesn't see a lot of action. I mean, we, he gets to blow up the simulation uh, fireworks when he's. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, so proud of yes. that. <laughs> Did that work for you? I thought it worked. Mm, definitely. Yeah, Pilot. You're the best. You're great. Other than that, yeah, I guess he's like, yeah, he's just there. Yeah, I mean, he's he's, he's just a, happy to do his to do what he does. Yeah, right. He's very much so. He's happy with this this crew. He wants them to do well. He's he's supportive of them. Actually, well, him and Moya have had quite some adventures. They've met God, a capricious deity, a God, Welsh, yeah. Wel- Wel- Welsh Caligula, I believe. <laughs> <Yeah>. I could, <laughs> So, I mean, that's kind of a big deal. He even later took Kahenu's name when he was, like, he was praying to Kahenu for something to go right. Yeah. And then he got it wrong. Kahanyu protect Moya. I guess, because Lani Tupu maybe didn't read the script right. He called him mm. Kahanyu instead of Kahenu. Mm. But I suppose he wouldn't have learned that because pilots do not speak to Kahenu. That's right, yes. Kahenu shut him down and never introduced himself. Why, why do you suddenly have a Jamaican accent rather than a Welsh? Pardon me, this is me trying to do a Welsh accent, but apparently Wales is now an island. <laughs> Apologies to Jamaican both the Welsh and the Jamaican family po- and my my Welsh friends. Yes, moving safely along. Save me, save me, Kay. Right, let's see what else have we got. Rigel, yeah. What, what, what arc did Rigel have this season? Absolutely nothing. No, I I made sort of notes on everyone. Oh, actually, I should have, should have had my notes with while we were discussing this. Yeah. Uh, but my note for for Rigel says, "Fuck all," because nothing, absolutely nothing, changes about him. The only thing that changes is that we recognize his behavior patterns a little bit better. Yes. Because we find out that he doesn't just sell them out when it when it helps him. He just only, habitually. He only sells them out when he's in danger. Oh, okay. That's the that's the only time because he sold them out. I think really only twice. Um, I mean, right at the beginning. So he went to Scorpius. Yeah. In Family Ties. Oh wait, that was much later. Yeah. Uh, right. That was at the end of season two. Yeah. A uh, season one. Pardon me. And at the end of season two, in, in Clockwork Nabari. Yes. Uh, when they show up, he defects Again. and he wants immediately he sells them out. But in both cases, he was under direct threat. He didn't do it in other cases where it could have given him an advantage, like uh, uh, liars, guns, and money. Yes, okay, very good point. Right, he could have sold them out to Natira, and she would have probably been very grateful to him and, and helped him. Yeah. But he wasn't under direct duress or, or, or threat then. Okay, I hadn't made that click yet. That sound, doesn't need sound it's, very interesting. It's he... only because nothing else changes about it. He learns nothing, except maybe 
No, I was going to say, like, don't hoard all the gold. It might be cursed. Nope. He immediately goes for the gold that turns out later to be, like... Not cursed. Not cursed, but Moya eating uh, uh, Right, like, but that's not really... And, and, well, and they have the other items that they were going to, like, uh, pick out for themselves as they have this little discussion about with Zan. It's like, oh, which, which one of these would you like? You know, yeah, we, but that's from the second yes. vault. The one that, no, they, that they hid in. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Do you but have yes. anything for him? Because he doesn't well, get a... He, we do, we a do see him... We, we do see him being, I guess, more his older self, the one we've never really seen before in Look at the Princess, when he is schmoozing with the ah, Empress. yes. And that's I when smell we, power. I was going to say, and that's when we <laughs> probably see more of the, the old Rigel as he was before he got imprisoned. He knows his way around yeah, the court, he, yeah. He, he's elbow rubbing immediately with the Empress, and like they're, they're talking as equals almost. John Crichton may not leave this planet, but I will protect him. <laughs> I've noticed how efficient that is. Security was tripled. This device was unknown to us. There was no way we could predict its application. You know why it's unknown to you? Because it's probably Scarron, the same Scarron who's in conspiracy with your son. Silence! You may have once ruled 600 billion, but you will not besmirch my son's name. Aren't we past that, Novia? You posture and deny any longer, and we both lose what we want. If Crichton leaves, he will flee. Not if you control the situation. Stash him somewhere. Moya's gone. He's got nowhere to go. At least give yourself time to identify the conspirators other than your son. <laughs> Are you familiar with the Jack race? The little green creature who saved Crichton and your daughter. Precisely. Her eldest counsellor sent a ship filled with wedding gifts. It orbits unattended, unnoticed. <laughs> Excellent thinking. Do you employ a detail of guards above treason? I shall send my very own paladins. I propose we tell no one. Not my shipmates or your daughter. Let them all think that Crichton's disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> Throw them off the scent. Mm. Encourage those who are intent on assassination to grow careless. Precisely. You are most wise, Empress. And you are most manipulative, Domina. <laughs> uh, at least she, yeah. she, she recognizes him as being a, someone who has been in a position like hers. Yes. Uh, and they're like, oh, we'll just let the kids sort it. And like, we'll just like plan what the kids need to do and how, how things are going to go. And he's yeah. literally willing to stick around for 80 cycles just to be John's advisor at the end when he comes back out of uh, his statuification. Yeah. That's... That's pretty amazing. I, I'm not fully willing to call that part of his character development, though, because it is Rigel getting something he wants is not character development. No, generally. no, oh, and, and Rigel being Rigel is still there. <laughs> so two things do happen. One of them is he gets his revenge against Durka. Yes, which good. Yes, he yeah. gets his uh, comeuppance. Rigel is briefly reduced to a sniveling wreck. But, but it's all an act. It's all an act. And yes, because he's already planned ahead. Uh, ahead, haha. <laughs> <laughs> that was unintentional. And the, and the second thing that, uh, that Rigel gets to develop is his relationship with Chiana. Yes. She was quite a lot like me, you know. She had spirit, ambition, <laughs> large appetites. She would have made an excellent Hynerian. They are always like Rumpelteaser and uh, Mongo Jerry. Yes, Who are yeah. just like always like catching each other at trying to like... Steal shit. I mean, it started with uh, a bug's life. You're here for the same reason I am. To see if there's anything inside worth snatching. Snatch? I don't snatch. I procure. Look, 
In the interest of not getting caught, I'll, uh, I'll agree to half whatever we procure. Half? I was here first. But I have the, uh, the key. Mm. Okay, half. Right, that's how that the, the intelligent virus escaped because they yeah. were just try- looking for something to snurch or procure, <laughs> depending on which one of them you asked. And yeah. God, how many more times did they do that? Like they, well, they they, they, they both try to go for the money in uh, that they uh, liberated from the vault in uh, Liar's Guns. Yeah, money. Oh, checking on our treasure, or are you helping yourself? The way I see it, beating you to it. How dare you! Fifty-fifty. Uh, mm, All right. But just enough so no one notices. <laughs> there uh, uh, in the locket as well. What are we doing here? We're just seeing if Erin came back with anything. But why? She's only been gone a solar day. You don't believe that other yachts, do you? No, but she still might have come back with something uh, interesting. Are you going to steal it? Of course not. <laughs> You're worse than me. I like that. <laughs> what are you doing in here? <laughs> yes. And then Dargo comes upon them. And that's not the first time that both of them have been sneaking about and, and stealing things. Whenever there's something to be had or found, then both of them will be there. And Oh, shopping. They love to go shopping. They even, yeah. they even comment that they can't pass a trader in this part of the galaxy without... Uh, oh, hold on a second. Hold on. Her Majesty, we have a, we have a guest host. Her Majesty wants... Her throne, which is my lap, which needs a blanket because these are good jeans. Come on. Come on. Come on, Missy. No, she's like, okay, no, no, I don't want it. Now you have everything in place. I'm just going to stand here and look around for a little bit. And then, oh, there she comes. There we go. Hey. Nope. No. <laughs> she just dipped her toe. Oh, you don't like that. Oh, no. Oh, she got her, oh you got your toe hooked in the couch. Oh. She got it. She, she, okay, got, she well, got stuck to the Velcro of your bag, I think. We'll see, oh, we'll here see we go. How, how, how things develop. Attempt we'll keep the a second. Sort of running a running update of Her Majesty's ascension of the throne. <clears throat> yeah, so I really like Chiana and Rigel. Oh, yeah, they work fantastically well. I mean, all those scenes are essentially the same. And that's fine. I'm always so happy I mean, to see them. There's nothing wrong something. with a running gag. Yeah. That's, especially when it's done like this. And it, yeah, it shows character. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily good character, but it's character. <laughs> uh, speaking of Chiana's development arc, she has her uh, a bit of a relationship development with Dargo. Interesting. Which isn't we haven't. It? I mean, it kind of peaks around. Look at the princess, or it kind of—it's mostly look at the princess when it when this occurs. They do have a lot of fantastic sex. This is not sex. As Dargo is n- not uh, <laughs> shy about telling uh, John about, which does get the laugh that he was hoping for. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't last very long because apparently it hurts like a lot when uh, you get uh, turned into a statue when it's like tuned for sebaceans and not for humans. Yeah, because yeah, they're like yeah, they're like humans but not quite. So this brings us to to Dargo, because that's who the relationship is with. And I think it's interesting to sort of uh, a segue there, because Mm -hmm. Chiana's evolution is really tied here as well, where she and Dargo are not an immediate easy fit. No. Aside from Mivonk related, which clearly works very well. Right. I mean, that's what she literally says to... John, uh, when John is like talking to her about relationship advice with Aaron, it's like be quick with the body and slow with the feelings. Ah, right. Yeah, and I guess that's what she like puts into practice when it comes to Dargo. They're just having a fling, right. and you you see that in Look at the Princess when they do the whole uh, compatibility test thing with the little uh, dippy bottles. Yes, and they, they no, yeah, like 
it doesn't work. But okay, we knew that we weren't compatible like that. We're still going to have fun and enjoy it while it lasts. See, what I think is really interesting there is Chiana doing the the nurturing thing as well. Like mm-hmm. Dargo's really down in the dumps over the result of their uh, their kiss test. Yeah, but Chiana tries to uh, sort of console him and reassure him, and she says, "You know, it's not about the the parts that give us pleasure." But that's not just because she considers their relationship physical. She really cares about his his feelings. Yeah. And they actually share a lot of scenes where she's she's sort of consoling him, often like in their bedroom, uh, mm-hmm. a, a, a good excuse for uh, two very hot lead characters to be naked, sort of discussing his, his sort of emotional hang-ups and like his regrets and really sort of nurturing and consoling him. Well, you say that like two hot leads being naked, but I think that... Both Chiana and Dargo are the two main characters we least see naked, mainly because they have both incredibly complex. Well, n- really? not, not so complex. I mean, okay, so on screen versus like implied. Because I'm, I'm thinking right. like. Well, okay, implied. There's lots of implied, but like, you know, when Dargo's under the blank, literally under the blankets and coming yeah, up exactly. for air. But, you know, okay, on screen, there's definitely the ones like we don't need, we never see Chiana without her outfit because that would require way too much body makeup and they're reserving that for Zan. I mean, we do see. Uh, we've seen her. We've seen her topless from behind right. at one point. Yeah. Like John walks in on uh, on her and and, and Dargo. Dargo. Right. Yes. When they're uh, Mivonk rubbing again. Yeah. Good. Good time. Sorry. Uh, wrong time. Interesting. And Dargo, yeah. The only time I think we see Dargo with his shirt off is when he's being chained up again to uh, make it look like he's... uh, Oh, yeah. I think that's the only time we've seen Dargo with his shirt off. Yeah, when he's being tortured on the the shadow depository. Yeah. But do we see anybody else naked more often? Like, Mm. there's Zan, but that was a a stock shot from from season one, I think. I mean, Rigel, when he gets, like, when he was dissected, (laughs) but that was season one. When he's clambering through the vaults, it goes so fast that his his clothes come off. Like, it's a a real sort of porn parody sci-fi trope. The the, the wind rips his clothes off. What? How does that work? I have no idea. I mean, he's shaped like a cone. How could it be blown down his body and come off? It's it's very impressive. No, true, true. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Dargo, I mean, we we do get the resolving of his well, not resolving of his uh, family arc. Uh, like right at the end of season one, we learn about. Uh, I guess is that the first time we learn about his son still being alive? He's always held the hope. Yeah. But oh, Stark returns in. Oh yes, in the locket already. Yeah. In the locket is when Stark has returned, and at the end of the locket, that's when he tells Dargo and he gives him a photo of yes. Joffrey who's alive. And that's when we. Yeah, that's actually a fairly short but fairly strong arc when it all becomes about. All Dargo's motivation becomes about like finding. Uh, Yes. Finding Jothi again, and even complains about the fact that they haven't been like spending enough effort on it, even though Lars guns and money is kind of like arcs towards like getting the money they need to get him out. Yep. Well, it opens with uh, with a bit of conflict because Zan is convinced that she can find uh, Stark, and she won't give up the search. And yes, and he is like he wants to like, like we yeah. need to go get on our uh, we get a, we need to get setting. our Jothi on. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he gets some. His development, I thought, is 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 a bit like 
harder to be enthusiastic about. Some of it is, is, is really good, but quite, quite noir. He makes a lot of decisions that he regrets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's usually about mistrusting someone, first yeah. Stark and then, uh, and then John, which is cool. I mean, we've talked about how I didn't really feel like his animosity toward John and the rest of the crew was really earned in Liar Gun's money yeah. initially. But we know how emotional he is and how his yeah. hot, hot temper tends to get the best of him for a little bit uh, from time to time. And Very then he usually sensitive. swings around. I mean, ever since he did his bonding with John in episode, in season one. They've been oh, uh, very... St- sorry. I was just going to say, no, that was in the that was in John's imagination that he had a, uh, a little Luxon bonding ritual <laughs> involving some Lutra oil and an even quarter blade. Oh, dear. That was... Was, was that... Uh, oh, and Chiana. She likes to watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was in uh, Won't Get Fooled Again, wasn't it? Very good. Yes. Oh, yeah, no trivia questions this time. Otherwise, I would have put the music in there that you got it right and given you, given you. That's not how you're going to be earning those fun bucks this time. All right. Speaking of which, I mean, oh, you said yeah, you, you said you mentioned you had some questions from uh, our listeners. Or- ah, yes. Let's dig into uh, into the first of our questions, and then we can uh, uh, continue our uh, our season wrap up. So we have here. Oh, yes. We're going to start off with frequent contributor of uh, uh, synopses, Wookie. Yeah. Hello, my name is Bryson, a.k.a. Wookie, a.k.a. Redshirt Wookie, a.k.a. Wookie, and nice try. We are not saying the rest of your username. I've been a Farscape fan since I first saw it on DVD when I was 13 or 14, after a family friend lent me the DVDs, and since it was summer, I binge-watched nearly the whole series within a few weeks. Much to the chagrin of my parents, who, although they're both sci-fi fans, weren't so much into the puppets and irreverent tone of the show. I'm really glad to be a listener of the show, and I appreciate the obvious care and quality of its production. Keep up the good work, and thanks for taking my questions. Thank you so much. And Wookie's first question is, who do you think has had the best character arc through the first two seasons? Well, Ooh, I think okay. we've just spoken about that at great length. Yeah, but whose is the best? Whose is the best? Ooh. Yeah, right? Hey, which of your children is your favorite? Yes. Ooh. I think I'm going to have to go with Chana. Really? Yes. Oh, fascinating. Tell me about this. Okay, so it, it's mostly a process of elimination. Mm-hmm. It's, it's rather than uh, saying that that it really jumps out at me. Yeah. But like we said, we said just Rigel doesn't have any development. Uh, <laughs> <No>. uh, <laughs> but he's also like, what is he, 500 years old? Some shit Rigel, like that? yeah, probably closer to eight or so. Yeah. More than that. Zan, especially in season two, was be, being a little bit weak. She had her uh, big thing and then she had a religious falling out at the beginning. And she's been a bit seeking. She's been quite absent in a lot of episodes. She's, she, she occasionally yeah. swoops in and uh, is helpful and does things. But it's always great that, to see Zan, but yeah. she doesn't get a lot of interesting things no. to do. And she doesn't drive the plot a lot. No, exactly. Uh, same goes for Dargo. He's been around. At the, at the end of season two, we had uh, some resolvement with his uh, the, the plot of his son. Yeah. Um, John, I mean, <clears throat> okay, John would be the obvious choice. Yes. But I can't... And is clearly but mine. He, but he's the show front runner, so... Okay, he yeah, is... Yeah, okay, he, no, that's fair. He, he is the he show. He is the show. Right. So therefore, so, I'm, therefore I'm not giving my... I, I'd say pilot, but it's only... His thing has been very profound, mm-hmm. but kind of small. And I think uh, Chana's just been more the most the more entertaining one, the the thing we've learned about her backstory that's and everything. really fantastic. I yeah. mean, I, I totally support that. Like, yeah, for me, it's John, because this is... Right. This season, and, and it is so iconic in my memory, the the realization that, oh, wow, they're really doing a PTSD story. Oh, and, totally, Oh, wow, yeah. they're really 
while there's, there's a mind control thing in his in his head this whole time that's been planned and it's both right it's mm. not that the 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 chip sort of caused the symptoms of his 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 PTSD he is he is suffering both of those absolutely incredible yeah. fantastic performance Erin though i mean she's we've talked about her her development you can you can sort of observe that but we don't get get really get to experience that from her point of view no right even in the locket we see her feelings from the outside as much as she she lets anybody else see those i mean that's very kind of in character with Erin yeah i mean it's it's a, 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 a very cool way of doing it, but it does make her a little bit more distant and inaccessible, which I suppose is what Aaron is. Yeah, and Dargo. I mean, there was one more note that I had about about his development, and that's not a very uh, a, a very good quality. He has become very controlling of people that he loves. Yes, he's he's been very controlling and judgmental of Chiana's behavior, and like even with uh, with Jothi at the end, like. They discover that he wants Chiana to marry him, and for for oh him, yeah, she's for going the to pop three the question. of them, and with Jothi to sort of settle down on a farm like that is that is his fantasy, and, and both Jothi and Chiana are like hell no, yeah, and I think and part of that is because like he loves them and so he wants them to be safe. He is so wounded by the 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 trauma of losing his son that he's I guess overprotective, overcontrolling, yeah. and that just doesn't. Not, not only does it not work with these characters in specific, there's kind of not a great <laughs> thing to do. Uh, no. I was reminded of the phrase, you know, if you love someone, set them free, which was at once beautifully, like, paraphrased in uh, the podcast Night Vale yeah. with the quote, if you love someone, let them go. Let them go now. We have you surrounded. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Damn. That's dark. Okay. So second question from Wookie. Yeah. Who is your favorite character so far? Or, and I think we should answer the or question. Yeah. Who do you most identify with? Okay. Yeah. I mean, okay, favorite character? I'll, I'll answer. I think I'll answer Oh, you both. answer both? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I think favorite character would still be Pilot. Oh, I, yeah. I like, I like Pilot. No, you're right. I, I, Pilot is just so... <laughs> I just want to hang out with Pilot. Yeah, and... I just want to sit in his den and play checkers with him yes. or whatever. <laughs> Uh, and like listening to the RC channel that all the uh, pilots are uh, having on the, between themselves. <laughs> yes, got a little private Slack that there nobody else is allowed yeah. to. <laughs> Which character do I most identify with? Oh, that's a very loaded, well, not loaded question, but a, a, a difficult one, I suppose. Yeah, right. Hey, let's take it broader. It doesn't have to be the core crew. Yeah. You can take anyone. Okay. Oh, let's see who I must identify with. Jeez. Hey, I can actually answer that for you. Yeah. Pilot again. Okay. Listen, if you yeah. were if you were stuck in the uncharted territories, if you were stuck on the ship, I know how you are. You find things to do. You're you're an incredible like craftsperson and an artisan. You find things to do, and you yeah. just go okay. and do them. And you don't need like you 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 don't need people to follow you. You don't need them to to, to obey you. It's nice when you can sort of do things together. Like you'd find. I guess, a way to turn the sluice chamber on Moya into a still. Probably, yeah. That sounds like the kind of thing that I would get up right? to. Right, and which is basically what Pilot's doing. I mean, not necessarily that he's making boo... Sorry, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely making booze. He's definitely oh, making if moonshine. Ch- if he gets Sort of chance, DRD moonshine. He would totally do that, yeah. Uh, I think you'd be Pilot. Okay. I mean, it's either that or... What's uh, Scorpius' lieutenant called again? <laughs> Braca! Uh, Braca, yes. Yeah, so that's... <laughs> Yes, yeah, sir. Mm, if anybody, yep. I would probably identify with Braca. 
tell me about that. Well, I mean, know, he gets the cool outfit. There you go. That's like, a good start. That's and, <laughs> yeah. and just like, you know, kind of like working behind the scenes and doing the, you know, getting things done, getting shit yeah. things done. So, yeah, that's kind of like the same thing. Uh, what about yourself? I would love to say something, you know, really, really insightful. I would love to say that I would love to say that I'm any of the the the, the main heroes, or even that I'm Stark. But it, I'm, oh, Rigel. Rigel comes very close. <laughs> yeah. Rigel comes very close. But I, I, I don't have it in me to sell people out. No, fair. That's that's no. really not my thing. So Rorf. Rorf. I'm yeah. still Rorf, the Vorkarian blood tracker. Okay. Yeah. I would like. Fierce. Half follow most people's like explanations and just like ask the sensible questions. This makes no sense. I would get really over enthusiastic about the wrong things just because I probably don't fully understand them. But I'm completely charged ahead. I'm raw, fiercely protective of the people you love. <laughs> yes, I like to think that that uh, if push came to shove, even the people that I don't particularly love, but on whose side I am, yeah. could I hope count on me, even though I'd be yelling and bickering the whole time and probably wouldn't really figure out how to use the communications device, even in season nine. Right. <laughs> Fantastic. And, oh, there's a fun what if. If someone were going to make a prequel, sequel, or spin-off series focusing on what character from Farscape, who would you most like for it to focus on? Ooh. So um, one character gets their own uh, prequel, sequel, or spin-off. Ooh. Okay, so I'd be... Well, you can go... I mean, okay, I'm. Ooh, I'm not going to yeah, share. Yeah, yeah. Okay, series, do, right? So, do I get to pick or do I get? To, you I get mean, to pick. I'll, I'll describe. I'll, I'll describe a few possible scenarios. Let me put Yay. it like that. So, I would like. I would love to see a Game of Tro- Thrones esque series feature uh, focusing on Rigel. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's mine too. That's exactly it. Yeah. Kay, you read my mind. It's so good. Yes, I want him to like return on like Taruk Makto or 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 Daenerys Targaryen astride on board Talon, right? Yeah, yeah. Bringing him in back in and it sounds like a fun series that you could do. Yeah, yeah. just uh, raining, just raining. That's yeah. him. Other than that, I mean, you could Probably do a rain on Hyneria. You could, you could do a, a, a BSG type series about the peacekeepers. Ooh. I mean, do you mean a full Aaron. one, like maybe a maybe a peacekeeper, uh, like a command carrier that gets lost in the un- well, in maybe, true uncharted territory? I mean, it doesn't have to be like uh, the, the it doesn't have to be the plot of uh, BSG, but I mean, like yeah, just focusing on daily life on command carrier, you know, probably right. probably with Aaron involved and just like the the stuff that they get into, maybe like you know the the first showings of how. Uh, Crace is slowly starting to go off the deep end, oh, how he's wow. like more and more starting to not exactly follow orders and try to uh, pursue his own machinations. Oh, so you want basically the series, the same series chronology of season one, but from the command carrier's perspective. Something like that. That, would, oh. that, that could work. <laughs> oh, poor Lieutenant Teague. Well, yes. Other than that, oh, obvious ones. Uh, Zahn could be interesting, but I wouldn't have oh. no, no idea what kind of... I mean, her chief anarchist days could be fun. I mean, I don't know if you could make a whole series of that, but that sounds like... Uh, I mean, it's a bit of... I mean, we know so little about it. We know she committed a political assassination, but yeah. we don't really know the context. And she explained some of that, but what she explained was three or four lines. Yeah. There could be a whole lot more to it, and her imprisonment as well. Like, this could be a, a Nelson Mandela story, or, right. or a Napoleon story on, yeah. on uh, Elba. That would be fascinating. It would also give us some more opportunities to uh, to explore Delvians. Hey, that reminds me, we also have a little question from our friend Ruth, a yeah. loyal listener, and this is... 
Not less of a question, more of a dream. Okay. <laughs> he had a weird dream at one point where uh, Zan had hair. Okay. And so his question is, if Zan grew and dyed her hair, what color would it be? Which I think is very important for uh, a, a Zan-centric spin-off. Yes. I mean, what... I mean, other Delvians we've seen with hair, it's either been... We've seen two Delvians trans- with hair, and yeah. they've, had, they've had white hair. Yes. So, which is boring. I know. She's an anarchist. I oh, mean, red, I suppose. Red would be a good color. Yeah, I mean, it would be a little bit like that uh, Marvel character. What's her name? Uh, Mystique, I think. Oh, yes, like, uh, the X-Men character. Yes. Yeah. Oh, if she slicked it back. <gasps> oh, wait, no, she could have like a pompadour or a, or a mohawk. <gasps> Zahn with a mohawk. Yeah, that would look good. That would be a great uh, look. I'll be in my bunk. <laughs> oh, we had a, a fun bit of trivia from our friend and, and listener, Tonks, mm-hmm. who's, who at one point yelled, stop the presses, and informed us that their boyfriend, who has a background in botany, said that, okay, so I once saw this theory on uh, on Tumblr that Zan was what we would consider genetically male because she's bald. And right. like and, and and all the other male presenting Delvians that we've seen were were also bald, and then maybe she's a trans woman. Right. And it was sort of supported because the Tonks's boyfriend said that in plants the sort of emission of pollen yes. uh, is associated with the male gamete or what we consider male. Right. And you know, then we female- have the episode uh, where uh, uh, which is is that the crackers one? No, uh, it's the uh, home on the remains. Home on the remains. Yeah, yes. where she gets hungry and yes. she starts emitting all of these sort of spores and pollen. Yes. Okay, so that's an interesting uh, support of that theory. <laughs> I love this idea. I mean, also, I'm sure Virginia Hay would love it as well. She she did mention that in the in the 70s a lot of people like mistook her for a drag queen. Oh yes. Because she is a uh, she is tall a tall woman. strider. Yeah. <laughs> she does possess a lot many qualities that uh, drag queens tend to uh, try to achieve. So, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, magnificent. Thank you, Ruth. Do we have any more questions? Do we, we have, have a lot more questions. Matatron, shout out to, uh, to Matatron on Twitter, asks, if you could choose one character from season one or two, oh, this is good, who could have helped the crew on their heist in Liars, Guns and Money, who would it be and what would their role be? And, oh. oh, how do you think the crew convinces them to join? Oh, okay. Oh, let's see. Who could have been on, li- on Liars, Guns and Money? Which character who was not already involved? So right, who yeah. else could we have thrown in there? I think we would have to go with our uh, little red-skinned friend from the first time that we met, uh, Maldis. The little, oh, uh, the yes. Shopkeeper, uh, Played by Grant, whatever his name is, the super hot. Careful with that. Toxic. Quite the contrary. It's a sensual stimulant. Enriches the conjugal experience. You can vouch for this personally? Yes. Though it was some time ago. It's still potent. Nonetheless, I'd suggest you test it before you buy. Alone? As you choose. But I'm willing to stand by my products. Oh, that would have been really interesting. He would have made a great pair with uh, Zahn uh, when they were walking into the... Uh, oh, wow. Walking into the heist and trying... She, she was doing her commanding little space pirate queen thing. I bet he's into femdom. Yeah, there you go. I mean, now uh, she had a Chiana parrot, but he would have made a great little uh, boy toy on a leash, I suppose, for that uh, scene. <laughs> uh, really interesting threesome with, uh, with her and Stark as well, I guess. One problem with that, though, yeah. he did die. Well, he, oh, yes. You're dying. Let me help you. You already have. I don't regret 
fair point. And there's one thing we know about science fiction. When you see someone die on screen, they're definitely dead and never coming back. Yeah, right? yeah so, no, that's definitely never happening. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. I know mine. Okay, go on then. The Drac Queen. I am Monarch of the Drac. The Monarch. Oh, the, the sort right. of dra- the little the little creatures that yeah, yeah. Uh, and her her aggregate. Like if they could impose on her for a favor, to like impersonate or you know to, to, right. to send her that's diving deep though that's right at the beginning of season one yeah 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 but it's in there for I mean, she I mean, was, so was yeah uh, she could have done it yeah she could have done a great thing with getting the whole swarm to swarm the uh the shadow uh, vault or whatever what it's called again oh yes of course i wasn't even thinking about that so much to hunt the metalites Oh yeah! Oh yes, right. of course. The dracker yeah. are small enough that yeah. they could that they could sort of go, sort of go metalite hunting. Yeah, and, and then like use the- that blue goop to pin them down, and then they could like individually be uh, eliminated. Yes, they don't yeah. even need Shiana's spaff cannon because no. the, the drac have their own blue goop. <laughs> yeah, ooh, more blue goop. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay, so yeah, that was a fun question. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you, Metatron. And Metatron has one more. In the three-part episode, Look at the Princess, I always thought about how ethically demanding the topics were. The genetic violence on John has always shocked me in this episode because his his seed was taken from him and used, right, has always shocked me in this episode. Can you think of any other shows with similar themes in the world of science fiction? Ooh. I mean, there's a bit of that in um, Altered Carbon. yeah. I've right, seen the first season for them that, but you know, you have your your mind on a on a on a stack, and your and your mind and body are can be can be sort of replaced, and that you can have your body taken from you yeah, as a punishment, punishment. for oh, yeah. uh, for some actions, and then somebody else can take them can take them over. That there's that's a lot. There's a lot true, but uh, once you get to the point of that, you can like swap consciousness. What is your what does your body even like? What does what do genetics even mean anymore yeah. at that point? Like the whole point of genetics is that you can persist by giving part of yourself and uh, like living on through your kids. I suppose is the traditional viewpoint in that. Once you can just like switch bodies, then ah, it okay. really makes no difference anymore. What about cloning? Yeah. I mean, you've seen or- Orphan Black, I think. Altered Carbon has the same thing with uh, cloning as well, isn't it? That's when, when illegal clone bodies are made. Oh, yes, true. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there is one episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. I think it's the really offensive one with the space Irish. Oh. Um, oh, right, yes. Season two, I think, because Pulaski was there, and then Riker uh, discovers that the, uh, the non-Irish aliens have made illegal clones of them. So he finds one of his own clones that is still right. being grown in a tube. And he is offended by this. And he draws his... I was about to say he draws his lightsaber. I'm doing too many podcasts. Rises his phaser and just like yeah. blows it up. And just destroys his clone who, yeah. who never got to wake up. So there yeah. are some... Well, there are some troubling explorations of, you know, genetic and body integrity through the universe. And thank you for bringing us down, Matatron. (laughs) No, it was a very good question. Oh, Horsebird. Horsebird's back. Horsebird. 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 (laughs) Hi, I'm Horsebird. I really enjoy listening to y'all's podcast as I'm fixing planes up here in Alaska. So, Dargo and Chiana. What do you think of them as a choice for a secondary shipboard romance? I'm not sure what it was being played for. I mean, it clearly oh. it clearly works. It's just like a couple who gets thrown in together. I don't think there's like much of a romantic entanglement as it's more of a uh, uh, relationship of convenience. Yeah. 
there, rather uh, than the clear romantic interest that uh, John and Aaron have. So I don't think it's going to last. Oh, dear. No. Oh. I mean, I, yeah, I think that things are going to happen in that regard. I think well, that Jothy might have something to do with that. It's like age-wise, he's more, you know... Oh, dear. And re- how many points are you putting on that? <laughs> I'll put 20 points on that. 20 points being very conservative there. I'm actually going to... No, I'm not going to accept those, them, them that low anymore. Oh, and we'll on, find it's, out it's, why it's later a, It's a bet on. for the entire season. It's like it's a, it's the beginning of season three. It's going to be a long running bet. Yeah, which means that you can make a lot of money on it. Right. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Okay, twenty points. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Thank All you. right. <laughs> okay, we have another question from Horsebird, which is great, and that is: Could you pick another character to form your Dargo Chiana and whoever OT three? OT3? Okay, so I, I thought you might be confused about OT3. Yeah. So I looked that up, and it's a phantom term, and it means a six-speed 1,000cc turbo vehicle, which outputs around 177 horsepower following FIA regulations, and is the first side-by-side high-performance prototype specifically designed for off-road racing in the world, or the one true threesome. Oh. Because there is the OTP, which is a fandom term for the one true pairing of, right. you know, the, 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 the various ships that yes. there are, shipboard romances. So who would you, comb- like, make into a, a fun little triangle, a threesome between Dargo and Triana, which might be just what they need to sort of complete them? Oh. Ooh. Which, who would I put into that? I think that would definitely be that ambassador of Australian accents from that... Carzanova. Yeah, Drago Carzanova. <laughs> yes. that, is, that is such a good answer. <laughs> he, wouldn't, he, would, he would complete the three of them. He would, like, pull them down. He's, like, a little bit more mature than the, they are. Oh, yeah. Uh, he'd be in for their kinky, kinkiness. Uh, <laughs> he is totally the guy I would want to see in that. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. Hey, guys. Let me have you tried candles yet? We can do stuff with candles. They smell really nice, and there's and there's other stuff. Candle. Let me show you. <laughs> Dragon Casanova, cousin to the crown. I trust I'm not disturbing you, but I'm planning a trip to the edge of the Barren Lands to watch the Pelk Renos migrate. And thought, <laughs> and we can go rock climbing afterwards. Oh no, wait. Oh, is that what we call it these days? <laughs> well, Tadargo does have a very impressive nose plate. <laughs> Yes, I can't even. I there's no way I can. To- Pardon the pun. There's no way I can top that. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> All right. All right. We have some questions. We have a lot more questions. Kelpie, thank you so much for sending in your question. Farscape is, in my opinion, the show that proved people wanted interconnected storylines in sci-fi. After it ended, shows such as BSG and DS9 copied the formula and became insanely successful. What if Farscape had never made it past the pilot stage? Now, I've got to sort of put on my nerd voice here and say that Deep Space Nine preceded Farscape handily by several years, and there was Babylon 5 as well, so I wouldn't necessarily say that Farscape invented a sort of serialized storytelling. But they did give it a big push. Then again, I don't know, I have no idea how how much of an influence it was on other... uh, TV movie. I mean, it was clearly at the dawn of the golden age of television, which we are in right now, 20 years later. Yeah, but uh, does it count as part of that? Or is it like the the last hurrah of the, the, the sort of old-fashioned episodic... Uh, it kind of, you know, well, yeah, like you mentioned, especially Babylon 5 uh, and to a lesser degree Deep Space... Yeah, right? and, also, and to a lesser degree Deep Space Nine already did the overarching story progression. But Babylon I would, 5 I would, was famously yeah. a novel in on right. television. Yeah. But I would still say that 
BSG was the first one, it was, was the dawn of the, the, the new golden TV age in that regard, especially yeah. when it comes to science fiction. Although, yeah, I mean, we had... Like, and special effect quality. Right. And, like, I mean, there was like The Sopranos, but I'm not quite sure how that times in when, when that... Uh, roughly that era. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. I mean, there's there's also been some less successful shows like Total Recall 2030, I think, or 2040, something mm-hmm. like that, which was also very noir and, and sort of had that prestige feel to it. Yeah. But yeah, that was the sort of era, 2003, 2004, where certainly in science fiction, like the special effects... Uh, capabilities and the production budgets really, really expanded. The HD era as well, Firefly, Enterprise. But especially the way it's presented, mm-hmm. Farscape is still very much a product of the 90s. Uh, it, it, yeah, it, it, did, it, it, it does have the, the, the storyline and the, the development of the, of the modern era, but the, the format and the way that it looks and feels is still very much the, uh, the preceding era. Yeah. It, the, hadn't, it hadn't made that leap yet into the... Uh, golden age of tv the the sort of like three-parters and the, and the yeah. season finale That's, arcs were were qu- pretty unusual for the for the time and like really stood out but for the rest like there's a lot of value in how episodic it is mm. you just have a, an episode an episode of the week as we have mentioned <laughs> but without the big red reset button yes necessarily true right the, yeah. the the it still had a it still had a memory so it still had a continuity i think that's interesting because yeah. it, i mean we're kind of rejecting the question because what if farscape had never made it past the pilot stage I don't think that BSG was inspired by by no. Farscape in that way. That this this new yeah this new prestige era was waiting to happen anyway, and just Farscape was just the best of the of the old you know the sort of Buck Rogers kind of rollicking adventure thing. Who kind of led in the uh, that era? Yeah, oh, very very true. Another question from Kelpie is. Farscape is a bit of a mind frell at times. We've yeah. seen some weird <laughs> dread so far. Yes. But just how much more insanity does Kay think we can expect? And what's your most insane episode theory for season three? Oh, a lot of pressure okay, there. damn. Okay, so I was actually thinking about something like that earlier today. Because, we, okay, we, we've seen John's story arc develop since... Oh, let's see, when did it start? It started in... It started in Beware of Dog. Which is when, uh, when we when 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 I think that uh, John is really starting to, we're starting to see more and more of Harvey uh, throwing things in. Although won't get fooled again. Also, also had a lot of that. Yeah. Because, but I'd say that like John coming apart at the seam starts in uh, Beware of Dog, and they've kind of ridden that horse pretty damn hard. They've gotten to the point that at the end of uh, Daimi Dichotomy, he literally asks for. Hmm, Dargo to kill him? I, don't, uh, I can't uh, remember. That was at the end of Liars, Guns and Money. Right, Liars, Guns and Money. That, yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. that was it, yeah. And, you know, that kind of le- needs to ease up. There needs to become a, there needs to be a new... Interesting, uh, yeah. ...dynamic stability. They can't a new keep equilibrium, pushing that. yeah. yeah that, or, that's or a new I was arc as that's, well, That's yeah. the thing I was looking for, yeah. There needs to be, yeah, the whole thing with Scorpius needs to be resolved in some way, or at least brought to a new stable situation where where it can be not the thing which is constantly happening anymore because you can't like keep heaping onto that i mean you can but then it turns into like you know okay i'm gonna i'm gonna sort of specify it yeah and what i want from you is wild speculation so you've you've made this statement and that's a very good statement that it needs to like you need a new status quo Mm -hmm. for season three to evolve from yes Uh, and what we have is john is brain damaged and traumatized and Scorpius has a chunk of his brain and the chip. Yep. And what's... Okay, how is that going to create a new status quo 
in season three. And please be wild. I mean, John is clearly not left in a state where he's suitable as a main character. Yep. So they're going to have to... Something has to be done to restore him to his former levels of functioning. Assuming a lot there. Well, let's, okay, I'm assuming that they're not going to off their main lead and going to have like him sitting as a background little plant in the uh, uh, control room. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of worried about your expression here. <laughs> Listen, here's I, I'm going to... Oh. Scorpius has a chunk of John's brain. Yes. We've had a whole season with Scorpius in John's head. Yes. Did you see where I'm going? We've and, and at the end, John transformed into Scorpius. Okay, here we go. Scorpius is going to take uh, the knowledge that he has of John's brain, mm-hmm. uh, going to implant it in some sort of te- technological bit of device, and the next two episodes are going to be about uh, Scorpius uh, wandering around in John's brain, and John had trying to like find a way to get control over that simulation, kind of like he did in uh, the episode where he was being (gasps) mind-tortured by the Scarron. Won't Uh, get fooled again. Won't get fooled again. Yeah, there we go. He knows how to do it. Oh, my God. Yes, there we go. That's... (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes. There we go. That's going to be a... Would that make for a good episode in season three? (laughs) Damn right it would. (laughs) Motherfucker. So okay. before I should have been on the writing in the writing room for this. One day I will get you to write a whole. <laughs> we're gonna do the. We're gonna do fanfic something. Okay, Richard on uh, on Twitter. That damned scientist who was apparently involved in research for the COVID nineteen vaccine. Oh, fantastic! Some, thank how, you very like, much. Thank you for your service. Trivia question: Which food of Rigel's clogged up the transport pod innards in Dream a Little Dream? Oh damn! I know he was talking about it, but oh. Oh, wait, you think you can do it all? Because it's no. multiple choice. Oh, okay, no, go So for was it, it Kiva Barbecue? Uh, yes, crispy that one. Gro- Yeah, okay, that one was definitely. <laughs> the other options were Crispy Grolac or a marmalade sandwich he stole from under the judge's enormous hat. No, it was definitely the barbecue, <laughs> yes. I remember that one. Well done. Neil Point, though. I mean, we've talked about this one already. Why does Novius Palace have a basement with an acid foundry? Yes. I mean, which- that's just the kind of thing that any self-respecting royal has. Which he says, is it maybe to deal with the really tough stains? Suggesting that maybe it's just their laundry. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we have seen strange laundry rooms before. (laughs) Especially on board Moya. What do you think was on the deluxe pizza that Crichton ordered in Won't Get Fooled Again? Because he orders a deluxe pizza at one oh. point to test whether whether he's in how how deep the simulation goes. I mean, how well does it's kind of like is that kind of like his token? You know, the one that he <laughs> checks to see if he's dreaming or not. <laughs> like how how many deep levels in? I mean, a deluxe pizza. I would say it has a ham pepperoni. I think he's one of those like such a corn fed boy. It's going to be really right. really conventional for a. Uh, yeah. Where's he from? Like a. I, is he from, I don't know. A tennis, I don't, Tennessee. Oh. I don't know that we're... I have no idea. I don't think it's actually established where he's actually from. Interesting. Yeah. But yes, ground beef, pepperoni, ham. Oh, sorry, probably uh, uh, Canadian bacon. That's the one, yeah. Oh, that sounds really good. I could just murder a pizza right now. (laughs) Oh, and what do you think Grace and Talon wanted to tell Aaron in Dimey Dichotomy? Ah, That they thought would make her the happiest person among us. Ooh, that's that's a tricky one because I mean we know for a fact that Crace has very poor judgment of what uh, other people will enjoy and like. <laughs> really? How? Well, I mean, aside from like shooting a I'm, lot of I people. I mean, you know, I was going to say, assuming that he operates on those principles that <laughs> that he tr- occasionally tries to make people happy, he doesn't have very good judgment in that regard. But something about, I mean, wasn't it that he wanted to like 
have her become uh, the pilot as well, exchange a hand of friendship to her? Well, that's what he said to, to Talon earlier in Daimi Dichotomy. Yeah. If she chooses to come with us, then we'll share what we learned. Yeah. So maybe that... And then what is They that? can do a merger, probably because the fact that she's like uh, has pilot DNA or something that she become, can become something of a pilot for Talon. Hmm. Would that make her the happiest person? Ooh, yeah, that's a good point. Probably yeah, that's not. so yeah. tricky. I mean, I'm not going to like yeah. unless something really comes to you. I'm I'm not going to put no. you on the spot because that one's just too big. Like, yeah, I mean, I haven't looked yet, but I'm sure that this one question spawned a thousand fanfics, <laughs> almost as many as uh, uh, Dargo's little Luxon bonding ritual. Oof. Yes. All right, next one. Uh, Lucy asks, what if Won't Get Fooled Again was true and we're just watching John's coma dream? We're still in that. We're still in Won't Get Fooled Again. And he's still on the table of the Scarron. No, no, no. um, Not on the table of the Scarron. He actually woke up and that's the real world. Because there's some troubling connotations in that. I know that she's asking, uh, a lot of science fiction shows and adjacent shows have had uh, uh, episodes where someone is convinced that they're in a crazy crazy house, like Buffy very famously. And that episode sort of ended with the last ambiguous shot of Buffy Summers in the mental hospital and and, and, and completely catatonic. But in this case, we've seen how the world sort of fragments and breaks up and gets even more bizarre. So what if that's the real world? But how would that translate to the rest of the show? I know. I kind, yeah. of, str- I, I kind of struggle with it as well. I think it's a, I think it's a fascinating, like, what if, but gosh. Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, there's actually not a lot to, to, uh, to unpack there. I mean, we've got, uh, I mean, one get fooled again, then the locket would have been fictitious oh. as well. Yeah, unacceptable. Yes. Unacceptable. No, I'm afraid I can't go there. Thank you for the question, but we'll <laughs> nice have to, try, Lucy. we have to reject that possibility that he is still there dreaming and <laughs> this is all his fantasy. No, sorry. Hey, can't but Lucy has a, has a follow-up question that is absolutely excellent. A few guest characters have returned in this series. Which one would Kay like to see in season three? Oh, uh, just, oh. You can't say Durka. We've been through this. No, 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 not Durka. <laughs> Let's see. I would like to see more of uh, what's his name, the 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 Nabari guy who is uh, Neri. Neri. Oh, yes, yeah. I would like to see Neri. Neri's return. <laughs> yes, a little goth boy. Yeah, <laughs> Neri. Oh, yeah, a goth rebel as well. well. Yes. Can you imagine him and, and, and Chiana sort of Luke and Leia ing their way through? Oh, totally. The, yeah. Yeah. Definitely want to see more of him. And bring his boyfriend back because they're totally boyfriends, yes, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. Yeah, certainly in, in your secret little fanfic and mine. He's my leader. I do what he says. Laura asks, how could Katrala's daughter with Crichton come to play in the future? And this Ooh. is another one of those what ifs. Yes. I mean, that's going to be like 80 cycles in the future before she gets born. Yeah. So we're probably going to have to come up with some reason why they're defrosted early. There might be a constitutional crisis. The Empress might uh, die. Uh, and perhaps the Scarron plot to destabilize the government uh, uh, means that the Empress gets assassinated and now uh, she has to be out of stasis early and become the new Empress. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. And, but, then okay. still, but then there will still be years and years before uh, that kid grows up. And then we but can then have- John would definitely want to be part of that, and he would definitely want to move towards uh, that planet because it's still his kid. Uh, I kind of love the the idea of like this 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 transport, uh, uh, this refugee transport from from the uh, the breakaway colonies arriving at oh. Moya, right? And and saying we have aboard Princess Katrala who still needs to be defrosted, and we we need your help, and please provide it. And then John says, "Of course, I'll be there for my daughter." And they said, 
we weren't talking to you. Your Majesty, oh. Your Highness, Dominar Rigel the Sixteenth. The the last wish of the Empress was that you would take charge and <laughs> as, reg- as regent <laughs> <Yes>. until. <laughs> Damn. Who who are you? Because nobody knows about John. No, this right? Is true. He was struck from the record. It's very true. I mean, uh, other than everybody who was there at the uh, ceremony. Well, yes, of course, Katrala and and all that, yeah. but and quite a few other people. Yes, but, but still, do, yeah. do we know that they made it off the no, planet? No, of course or? not. No, no. Did they just get laundered with the rest? <laughs> oh, okay. So we have we have two more friends who've sent in their questions. And first of all, Lee, our friend Lee, the musician. Ah, yes. Hi, Kaki. Hi, Kay. This is your friend Lee here, the musician. Lee writes songs on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. So I've been a big fan of the podcast since pretty much day one. You guys know already. But what I haven't told you is my favorite episode that you did, which is The Ugly Truth. And I absolutely loved how insightful you guys were, the great observations you made of how each character's perspective played out. And so my question pertains directly to that episode, actually. And that is, we all know that Rigel wasn't there. He wasn't in the original scene. He wasn't in the interrogations. But what if he had been? What kind of nuances or you know patterns would there be that let us all know that this is Rigel's memory. And who would he have tried to finger the blame on? Oh, damn. That's such, that's such a good one. Everybody would have gotten blamed because Rigel would have just been like throwing <laughs> accu- everybody under the bus every opportunity. He would answer yes. every theory that the aliens throw at him with, yes, absolutely, and then make up some complete bullshit to fit that theory. And yes. it would make absolutely no sense. To- <laughs> I love the end. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of stuck on the on the uh, uh, cinematography because his flashback would have been shot from sort of waist height. And I think he refuses to look up at people. So it was just been like navels and knees and you sort but of have to guess who's, who's talking yeah. and everybody of course would be because uh, I noticed in the episode that in everybody's version of the story everybody acts different so in, I guess in, every, oh, yeah, yeah, in his yeah. version everybody would be super deferential to him uh, and they would agree with him all the time but yeah. they, they would also like and then, being, and then be incompetent about uh, doing the things that he tells them to uh, <laughs> and he would throw everybody under the bus yeah, he would blame all of them. He would find reasons for all of them to be blamed, except for him. Yes. Wow, that's brilliant. <laughs> and lastly, uh, our good friend Greg from GH Cosplay. Hi, guys. This is Greg, a uh, longtime listener, first-time caller. Well, not really. I was a guest, after all. I have kind of two questions. So for Kaki, what is one that has surprised you coming back to it that like you didn't remember very fondly or just the, that you don't like as much the first time but come back to it, like you kind of have a newfound appreciation for? Oh, wow. Now I'm getting put on the spot. I think, okay, My Three Crichtons is one that I've gone up and down about yeah. a lot. Like the first time around, and I remember being riveted and it was so cool. And then in like later rewatches of the DVDs, I remember, oh, good. It's just, it's just filler and the makeup is sort of, and now I watched it again, I was just blown away. Mm-hmm. It's, it's okay. really, really fantastic. I really enjoy it. The makeup is fantastic. The concept is so bold. The performance choices are great. Hey, oh, that reminds me. Laura on Twitter, she made a, she posed an interesting question a few days ago where she wondered, okay, so the, the sort of green Veruca spits yeah. out a, a primitive Crichton and a more advanced Crichton. Yeah. But was Scorpius's clone still in, inside his head while he was being scanned and being duplicated? Yes, he, it was. I suppose. So those were would have had them as well. Right. Or I mean not not the Neanderthal version, I don't think. Well, yeah. okay, so maybe the, the technology would have recognized that chip. 
and as not included it. Yeah, that makes sense. Or maybe considered it some kind of prosthetic, yeah. and then imagine a future where you can when you don't need that prosthetic. Yes. So maybe like the future Crichton was so horrible because the qualities of the Scorpius clone were sort of integrated into oh, his brain. Oh yes, that's <gasps> oh, a good one. <laughs> this is so good. Oh yes, that's so yes. For me, it's definitely uh, uh, my three Crichtons. And also a question for you, Kay. Yeah. What is one that you have really appreciated so far, uh, or just like what's been like like a really standout one for you or arc? If it's part of an arc, I'm I'm curious about that. I think this is an invitation to like reveal your sort of season long willies and woodies. All right, okay, let's go for that. I mean, we were just talking about my uh, three Crichtons, which I dubbed the slow mo episode. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes, that is a bit I, of I think it's. Oh, it, no, it's not as bad as uh, the locket, where like the last five minutes are all sort of running and true. But, so. yeah. but it is on my list of weaker episodes. Fair. That counts for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, other, everybody's got favorite children and least favorite children. Yes. Uh, other episodes on my, uh, on my week list are Vitus Mortis. Which, oh, I'm with you there. Yeah, it's just like, meh, it's just... I mean, great performance by Melissa Jaffer. Oh, it was, but it was so much a bottle episode and... Yeah, that's it, not really what we're into. No. Sort of Planet of the Weeky. We've been so spoiled but, now. Right, especially, I mean, I guess coming after the season opener, yeah. it, it just felt, okay, oh, we're back so to this. So episodic yeah. and so, even though we really get to develop Dargo's character, yeah, it was, it was too much. I... I struggled right. with it as well. And uh, Beware of Dog, which is also not one of the episodes that I uh, thought was one of the better ones in the uh, season. Again, it, it was, it had a kind of, I mean, kind of creepy alien and not creepy in a good way. Uh, yeah, Uncanny think- Valley puppetry, I suppose. So my willy actually goes, and this is not because I think it is a bad episode. In fact, I think it is one of the better episodes. Uh, but it does seriously give me the willies, which is Won't Get Fooled Again. Because, oh, yeah. Yes. Because yes. it's so relentless. Wall-to-wall heebie-jeebies. You never get to laugh. It is so... Even the scene where he's, like, tied into the stirrups and we've got Rigel in his BDSM <laughs> outfit and everything. Like, it's just, like, it's just... I mean, you, yes, yes, you wind up cackling, but it's just because you're just losing Terrified. your mind. It's yes. so, so good. It does such a good job at portraying, like... A mind being broken down. Poor, poor John. Yeah. I'm with you there. So, uh, strong episodes. Yes, uh, let's I'm curious. See. I mean, I'd, I'd love the long arcs that we had in uh, Look at the Princess and uh, mm. Liars, Guns and Money. Those were like, yeah, good, strong, multi-episode uh, stories. And, of course, Dream Little Dream. Really? Yes. Not a universally beloved episode. I loved the backstory that it uh, gave. For, uh, for Zan? Yeah. Like her, her sort of what what mental decline looks like for her. Yes, the, the the visions of her friends and oh, the the horrible things that she's put through. Like seeing her stripped of her uh, of like the soft fabric that she usually wears and like. Yep. Wow, so that's strong, a really good cool strong choice. episode. Yeah, but my Woody definitely is to the way we weren't. Uh, oh, good. I like that episode. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I've got a big soft spot for a pilot, and I love the fact that we got so much backstory, we get to see his homeworld, and we get to see how he like his his integration with Moya. We get to like, I mean, a, a strong part of Aaron's development as well, I, and yeah. the sort of PK spinoff that you wanted. There we go. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So that's definitely my Woody episode for uh, the season two. Okay, I've thought long and hard about it, and I wanted to come up with something that is, like, not quite so obvious, but it's out of their minds. <laughs> out of their minds. Uh, out of their minds. It's it's sexy, it's fun, 
it feels like the episode where where all the actors had the most fun because they got to like play each other. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Try to take try to take on each other's mannerisms and and just really be, be and it's so remarkable that it was written by Michael Cassatt who has never written for Farscape before or since. Yeah. Like, this showed such deep understanding of these characters, and yeah, it, it's almost everybody's favourite. I mean, uh, a lot right. of people go for Crackers Don't Matter, which is also, also very, very good, but I just love them. I just love I th- everybody. I think one of the best parts in that was uh, Anthony Simcoe playing Chiana. And- yes. <laughs> Do you know he was hospitalised for that? Yeah. Oh, because he knocked himself out or something? What happened? Well, I mean... Or just overheated. Yeah, yeah. So oh. middle of Australian summer, unventilated room, covered in latex, yeah. and then having to do the Chiana sort of <laughs> running around, and, and, and he hyperventilated himself oh, wow. into the hospital, the poor man. Damn. That's dedication. But right? yes, that, that was a fantastic episode. Yes, I can wholeheartedly agree with your choice. One last question. All right. Who has been your favorite guest to have? And, okay. and why is it Greg? <laughs> and why is it Kay's cat? Because it's really Kay's cat after all. Uh, thank you so much. Oh, she is sitting beside me. She is she having is a deci- little wee snooze there. Yeah, exactly. She's decided that uh, uh, she will be an, an adjoining kingdom. Yes, and because not- you're sitting in her spot. Apparently, I mean, usually when I put the blanket over my legs, that, that she's know. she's happy to come along, but she's Maybe sitting she's, next to, yes, enjoying my company. From, I mean, she's uh, from a, she's afar. a lovely cat, uh, not quite so much at at uh, feeding times because she gets very loud and demanding. But oh. uh, she is an adorable little critter. She is a wonderful contribution to our podcast. But I think my favorite guest is still Greg. Yes, at uh, least he had like a speaking role in the. I mean, she. I mean, <laughs> my, my cat, uh, whose name is uh, Geisha, by the way, uh, although we usually call her. Her Majesty, Majesty. yes. (laughs) Yes, uh, she occasionally pipes up and you might hear her in the background, but uh, yes, at least... She's a purrer. She is. So, it is time for the reckoning. I I sort of teased you about this before. You've been playing quite a dangerous game. I have. Making some long-term predictions. Yeah, they they were very dangerous and they haven't always played out that well for you. You scored a lot of points in the, uh, the season one trivia right, spectacular. Yes. But uh, it was kind of set up for me to earn points, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. And after that, now I have to make do with what I have. I have my starting capital and I have to make it uh, make it work for me. So let's see how you how you did. All right. Uh, you made, I'm going to sort them by the episode in which they were resolved. Okay. Okay. Uh, so you got, oh, huh, you got a few bonus points here and there. Yes. Uh, in 201, you realized that Crace didn't intend to betray John. So I gave you a few bonus points yes. for that. Uh, for writing down gravity bladders and recreating in uh, the way we weren't. <laughs> yes. Eh? I appreciate nerdery. And for realizing in episode 214, so that's... Beware of dog. Yes. Ah, that a Scorpy has his claws in Crichton. You realize that yes. they're already very uh. well. Okay, they haven't all been uh, all been excellent. No, um, I kind of missed out on Crace coming back with the crew. Well, we'll get to that. So, first of all, you predicted that the peacekeepers, specifically Scorpius, would kidnap Boya. Right. So that no, wasn't it. No, no. Uh, oh, it was something about Dargo being the second best kisser of season one. Uh, <laughs> oh. You predicted that uh, in 207, you predicted that Rigel was going to lawyer up in Dream a Little Dream, and he kind of did. True. Didn't do very well because he's a lot. Li- he yes. He's a liared up. He lawyered li- <laughs> huh? Yes, I mean, he, his, his tactics didn't work because, like, yeah, they were not allowed to basically lie. Yep. So that's, like, Rigel out of the picture. Like, okay, now I don't have anything to say. 
Then you predicted for 209, which was... Oh, uh, that was out of his... Out of their minds? Out of their minds, yes. Uh, that a Hynerian royal artifact gets fought over. That didn't go so well. No. By 211, and that was the beginning of the Look, Look of the Princess, Princess trilogy, yeah. that's where you had predicted in the end of season one that Scorpius would become the main villain. And that's right. where like, yeah. it was really affirmed. Uh, you scored 360 points for that. Oof, yeah, well, that was one of the long ones that uh, rode out. Uh, they, you do well with those. Um, that there wasn't going to be no Zan or Moya in the, st- in, the, in the first third of the second part of Look at the Princess, yeah. or that the device messed with Crichton's DNA also didn't work out. Nope. But you did predict correctly that the device that attacks Crichton in Look at the Princess was Scarron. Yes. Pilot and Zan did not save the day in Look at the Princess. No. Uh, uh, that you won't see in, in 217. Uh, yes. We won't see Stark again this well, season. Well, there we go. Yeah, That's, we sure did. That didn't pan out. At the oh, at the end of uh, uh, the second part of Liars, Guns and Money, you predicted that the mercenaries would rescue John instead of Jothy. Yep. And that did indeed happen. Very good. Liars, Guns and Money lasting until the end of the season. You awarded me very generously that one. It was filmed that way. It was written that way. Like, the... In, in the in the episode numbering, a Diamond Dichotomy is part one, and then the first episode of season two is part two. They were not written together. They were no. not, like, filmed together. This was a four-episode block. I think it counts. Okay. Stark is an imposter. Has yeah. not been proven no, in season two. No, so. no, no. I kind of figured that he is, uh, you know, it becomes a little bit more clear later on in the uh, l- later season of uh, Liars, Guns, and Money that he is, like, very concerned about his uh, the other members of his species, and yeah. that seems to be causing this uh, his erratic behavior. Let's call it that. Another missed opportunity: Chiana pregnancy something, which you predicted yeah. way in, like no. it's the end of the season. It's no, still no, that, that, that's uh, that one gets reset, I suppose. Uh, I did gone. once. I did once read that there that was like toyed with as a potential storyline for season two, but that was never never developed. But in Way back at the beginning of season two, I let you make the prediction, we'll never see a shaven Dargo. And <laughs> I've got to be fair, so that's, uh, you, you no put 20 there. points on that, and you earned 420 points on that because of, yep, yep we no, haven't seen a shaven, no shaven Dargo. Dargo. Well done. <laughs> but the most, I sort of went back to Crace showing back up with a new crew slash organization. And as I was sort of tabulating it, I realized, well... In the literal, and you've got to you've got to be like in the right. literal word of it, he shows up the first time in the Ugly Truth, yeah, where he shows up with a plan to uh, replace the Sonic Ascendancy Cannon on Talon with a, a more he wants some sort of the, the web thing, uh, something yeah. like that, of Placavian design. Yeah, he returns, and he is joined by a Placavian arms merchant. He returns with another organization. It's not what you. Yeah. It's not exactly what no. you had in mind. But in in the letter, I think it counts. All right, you're being very generous. <laughs> well, I, when I have an opportunity for pedantry, I don't care who benefits. Fair point. <laughs> so you're entering season three with a, a score. You have spent four hundred and thirty fun bucks. Yeah, and you have earned a total of two thousand. Aim. So that's 1,570 fun bucks is what you've had. Minus the 20 that you've just spent okay. on I've Already Forgotten. I'll have to start making more predictions then. Yes, you put, will. Yes. And that's the story so far, Skate. For season two. So we're heading into season three. 
uh, a new season, new new world that we're entering into. We've got a big announcement, everyone, and that is that from season three onward, so Farscape is going bi-weekly. Yes, don't be worried. This is not one of those announcements that starts like the crumbling of the show. We have like a long. Oh uh, my god! Don't say that. <laughs> don't make that. Don't put that evil out into the universe. No, exactly. It's not the beginning of the end. That's not how I wanted to make this <laughs> announcement, Frel. All right, okay, well, we, no. have to, we have to edit that a little bit. No, then. it's yeah. fine. It's fine because uh, yeah. We started so Farscape in the midst of the the pandemic, where we had loads of like free weekends. None of us were doing anything. We're all we're all fully isolated, and we're heading into the into the aftertimes. And we want to make sure that we can keep producing so Farscape. We want to keep enjoying Farscape. So we're just going to go every other week, and we're going to make sure that in the in the off weeks we have a little something. We've been doing fan fictions for our our Patreon subscribers, and. We're just gonna drop a little fanfic in between between weeks that we do uh, uh, so Farscape. So you have a little bit to listen to on the off weeks. Yeah, so you'll have like us to enjoy to tide you over, and we can maybe also like make Farscape last a little bit because the the thing that we want most of all is to finish the series. We want to yes get we there. Are definitely and- going all the way to the end. Uh, which is going to be another two years, I suppose, at this if, if we drop to this new place. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. That's a great way to make it last. Yes, there we go. Um, so, Kay, I'm afraid that you're going to have to wait a little longer before you get to see the beginning of season three. Yes, um, it's already been like so long because, uh, like, we're the, the, the recording schedule has been a little bit messed up the last couple of weeks. That's what the aftertimes are like, yes. right? So, so it's been like two weeks already since I saw the last episode, last saw an episode. So it's going to be another week. To, uh, yeah, next yeah. week's going to be a fan fiction. We're going right. to okay. We're going to start off. We're going to pick a nice, fun fan fiction uh, to read for you in the in the next episode, and then two weeks from now, we'll come back with uh, season three of Farscape, and I and can't wait to start. You can find us at So Farscape on Facebook and Twitter. You can subscribe. Oh, oh, oh! And about the Patreon. Yes. Do you remember how when we started it, we promised that if there was anything left in the kitty, we would spend it on on stupid stuff. Yeah, absolutely stupid stuff. Yes, exactly. Okay. Uh, did you has- get something? Uh, I did. All right. this, has, this has come true. Uh, on behalf of myself and our, our supporting listeners, I have a gift for you. Oh. Yes, it is for you. It's something that I don't know anything about, but I did check out that it's perfectly safe for Kay because yes. it's only about the first and second season. It is the Farscape role-playing game. Oh, my God. There is one? Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. This is fantastic. Yes. Oh, it's based on D20, a system that I'm not nearly as yeah. familiar with as uh, uh, as you are. It's a it's a beautiful book. Oh, it's, uh, it's fantastic. It looks fantastic. It's got like the main cast, some of the main cast, John, Aaron and Dargo, Aaron holding a massive gun with a flashlight on it. And yeah, you know, that's her who's, style. Who, who's the eyes in the background? Is that Scorpius? That's Pilot. Is that Pilot? Oh, all right. Sorry, I can't. Uh, yeah. Wait, hold on a second. Let me see let, that. Let, let's let's let yeah, see let's that cancel just a that. Yeah. Wait, hold on. No, this is actually really okay. So here's the thing: I bought the Farscape, the role-playing game, um, off a, a seller that I was able to find. It's it's out of print. It's very expensive to find, and it hasn't arrived yet at this moment of uh, recording. And I thought, oh, okay, that's that's terrible shame. I still want to have this moment with you, yeah. so I'll just I'll just find a picture of the cover and then print it out and hand that to you. But no, what I think of- I've done is I've given you a printout of the manual for Farscape the Game, which was a 2002 video game that is oh, also out of print. You're right. And that's what we're looking at. Okay, so the illusion has sort of fallen apart. That's also a thing that exists. But it I is didn't pilot. Really think about. But it is pilot. It is definitely pilot toy. I actually don't know what the cover of the role-playing game book <laughs> looks like. But thank you so much. I am so looking forward to reading that and uh, geeking out on uh, Farscape uh, about and- that. 
please share it with me because this yes. is the first time that you have Farscape things that I, I don't, don't know, know about. Oh, yes, I definitely will. And that is that is all thanks to our supporters. And if you want to join in, and uh, that's at soulfarscape.com slash support. You can send us your submissions. We need lots of submissions for season three at soulfarscape.com slash submit. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. So, so Farscape, Farscape, so good. good.